Hello, Texans. Welcome to the podcast. Okay, today, a little bit of a departure as the AFC South radio voices got together. This happened back at the Combine, but this is timeless stuff, basically. Well, it's timeless stuff for this season anyway, this offseason, that we were talking about. Mike Keith of the Tennessee Titans, he organized this. I want to give him full credit for that, and it appeared on his programming originally, but it's good on everybody's. Frank Frangie, voice of the Jacksonville Jaguars, and Matt Taylor, voice of the Indianapolis Colts, and me. So the four of us got together, asked each other questions, talked about things related to broadcasting and the franchises that we work with and for, and it's fun stuff, and here it is. Today, for the first time, we have not one, not two, not three, but all four of the AFC South play-by-play announcers together. Let me introduce you to them. Mark Vandermeer is the only voice of the Houston Texans. You've been the guy since 2002. Welcome. Thank you very much, Mike. And you've been the only voice of the Titans. Yes. It's true. Yes. Right? That's true. Not the Oilers, but no, the Titans. Was never the voice of the Oilers. But since the Titans are sort of, well, not sort of, keeping the Oiler history, you don't get to have that distinction. It's all uh, me, it's boys. Right. I'm the only guy <laughs> in the league exactly right. to have it. All right. We bow down. Frank Frangi is a Jacksonville legend. As he's been involved in sports talk radio there for 35 years, Frank is entering his 10th season as the voice of the Jaguars. And you started in print. Yeah, I did. First of all, legend is a synonym for old. Okay, so I'm the old guy. (laughs) But you went to Inglewood and everything. I'm a Jacksonville guy. I was a sports writer. I wasn't all that good at that, so I got into the uh, broadcast side. And, yeah, kind of like you, I did a lot of college stuff beforehand and uh, wound up, uh, this will be my 10th year doing the Jags game, so – yeah, having a blast. You and I have known each other since before Matt Taylor was born. That's exactly right. <laughs> Matt Taylor is, is, is the youthful <laughs> one in the group, the voice of the Indianapolis Colts. He is an Indy native. He played football at Franklin College, voice of the Colts since 2018. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the old guy crew. And here's my question for you. Welcome to when the they, city. When they put the three of us in a home and you're still going <laughs> strong, will you come visit I us? I will come visit you. I'll make sure the jello is, is, <laughs> is the flavor that you want. No, come on now. That's, uh, that's, okay, that's so awesome to be three here. of us yeah. actually broadcast in our hometowns while Ooh. one is an interloper. Okay, but there's good a distinction point. here as well, okay, right? Good. I wasn't born in Texas, but got there as fast as I could, which yep. is a Texas expression, yes. right? I have two sons born on Texas soil, which okay. is like marrying into the family. So my DNA has been spliced properly. I'm a Texan. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, and, and you But look, you don't say y'all, and yeah, I've never seen yeah. you in a cowboy hat. It's and, funny because a, a lot of people who aren't from Texas end up saying y'all, and I really don't do that. I really don't. It's hard for me to go there because I think it would be an affectation for me yeah. to a degree. But I definitely have picked up a little bit of an accent, you know. And when I hang out back on the East Coast, I grew up in the New York area, went to school in Boston. If I'm there for a week, I come back and I sound like Jerry Seinfeld. So <laughs> <laughs> well, Matt will like this. So my wife, who is from Indiana, who's from the northern part of Indiana, right outside of Chicago, she got up in church to give a committee report and she says, "Good morning, y'all." And I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> no, that's not I'm like, yeah." Well, but I mean, it's part of her yeah. effect now. Now she's been in Tennessee for 39 yeah. years, so mm. I guess she can do that. Yeah, Mike and I are Southerners by, and saying "y'all" is actually required legally. Legally, I so I mean, even if you don't have something to say, you just run down the street and say "y'all." That's kind of what all we do. Y'all. All, or, or all, all y'all. Or all y'all. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That's real Southern. Okay, the format of this thing is. Simple. Each one of us gets three questions, one for the other announcers. Since his team won the AFC South this past mm. year, 
Frank Frangie of the Jacksonville Jaguars, you go first, sir. What do you want to know I, from I, the I will, rest And of again, the I should go first. Not only do we win the division, but we dominate it so often. So I think there's that. So uh, <laughs> that's what we've been. I, I got a lot of questions about, about where these franchises are. Okay. So let's, let's mm-hmm. talk about the franchises. And I want to start with Mark because, Mark, for the, when I started doing this, the Texans won the thing every year. You know, mm-hmm. The Texans mm-hmm. were a dominant team. And then I watched how it changed the Deshaun Watson thing. So my question for you is, where are you? Is the rebuild starting? Mm. Is the rebuild, uh, is it, is it under, underway because of all these draft picks? Mm. Um, how do you feel about the – where, where's the franchise? It's fluid, Frank. It's fluid. You guys know how yeah, it yeah, is. Yeah. It's, it, Bill O'Brien used to say every year is different, right? And every yeah. year is different because you never know what's going to happen. Look at what yeah. happened to the Jaguars this year. We all thought the Colts would do a lot better, obviously, with Matt Ryan, and then look what happened – and Tennessee, I never could have predicted this. You know, a year ago, I was saying, you know, Tennessee looks like the premier team in the division and organization in the division. And then the dismissal of John Robinson, I'm thinking, oh, wow, that's a real change. You know, and obviously everybody goes through changes. Right. And the Texans have gone through more than anybody in recent years. So, yeah, I think the rebuild, if you want to call it that, no one's going to call it that publicly. But it is. I mean, when you win four, four and three games you're rebuilding. Yeah. You're, you're retooling, rebuilding, reload, whatever it is, you're redoing it. Mm-hmm. But I think it is underway and has been underway because of the last two draft classes by Nick Casario leading into the 2023 draft class that you have some seedlings, some good foundational pieces there to build on. And finally, they get the coach that can be here for a long time. You know, David Culley, great guy, wasn't the right coach. Lovey Smith didn't work out. We don't have to get into all that. Right. But now they have D'Amico Ryans, who played for the team, obviously, best player leader I've ever been around in the Texans organization. That includes the quarterbacks. And he's the right guy for the job. A premier hire right there, and I'm excited to see what happens. And, and, I, and I am too. I think I'm very intrigued with it. My question for you, Mike, and we could, we could all talk about where's the state of the franchise, but more than that, we had this guy that grew up in Yulee. Yulee is very close to Jacksonville. It's probably about 30 miles. Everybody said, well, you know, he's, he's a good high school running back, but he's going to have to play defensive end in college. Right. He can't run. He's too upright. And, uh, and lo and behold, he went, well, he went to college, and he played running back, and he did okay. Okay. Won that big trophy. And then they said, well, he gets the NFL. He's not, he's, he's, he can't. The NFL is 5'9", 205 running backs. I think Derrick Henry is one of the greatest athletes to ever come out of my area. My question is, how long has he got left or how much does he have left? He's 29. He defies the odds. The, the, the rules tell us running backs are done now at 29 or 30. Right. But I don't believe it with him. How much longer are we going to have Derrick Henry watching Derrick Henry look like Derrick Henry? Number one, I think it's how long does he want to do it. Because his conditioning is so crazy. Mm. I think that's why he's at this point. Matt and I were discussing it earlier in the week. He's beaten the odds already. Running backs um, don't fall off the cliff, as Charles Davis likes to say. They don't even make it to the cliff. And, I mean, there's just going to come a point where he can't do it anymore. Now, when is that? I mean, you saw it with Arian Foster in, right. in, in Houston and – Certainly, you saw it with Fred Taylor in Jacksonville, and we, we saw it with Eddie George. And I mean, it, it, it happens. Um, I, I certainly think there, the, the plan, if he's on this roster this year, the plan is to make sure he touches the ball 20 to 25 times a game. Like normal. Yeah, well, I mean, you, that's what you're going to do. Right. I, I, he's a first and second down back. You know, and we know that about Derek. Derek does play some third down, but very little. And so he, he doesn't get uh, every snap, which probably helps. The beating he takes weighs on the other side. But 
I think he's still Derrick Henry until just the moment he's not. And at that moment, it will probably be something you'll see very quickly because quickness is not his thing. You know, it's about getting to the fourth or fifth step, and then he's when he's rolling, he's Usain Bolt fast. It's not a stopwatch thing. It's a play thing. But at the moment that it's over, I think it'll be obvious to everybody. But from what he did last year, it's clearly not over. And I can tell you, defensive coaches at Jacksonville, different staffs, we tend to change our staffs a lot, have all the week you play the Titans, they spend days working on stiff arm. Right. Yeah. They have stiff arm practice. I don't know if the, te- the Texans and the Colts have done that, but they'll, they'll have a segment of practice. I mean, working on stiff, working on not getting stiff arm, right. which, is, which is amazing. That's an extra portion of your practice week that they only do again when they're playing the Titans. If he has one more great year, suddenly you're talking about Hall of Fame. I don't have any question. Because I, if you look at the backs who are in the Hall of Fame, it's generally five-year stretches. Right. Yeah. You know, certain players are judged for their careers. Right. Uh, but backs are really judged on periods of time. Yep. And it's the Gale Sayers, Terrell right. Davis. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and we have we think Fred Taylor should be in the hall. I do too. His numbers are incredible. And I and the running back is kind of a dying breed. The, the Hall of Fame running back's a dying breed. Oh, there's I think that's gonna, right. There's not going to be a yeah. lot of them make it now, so we think Fred may be next, but it'll be interesting to watch. Well, one thing though, before we get off the Derrick Henry subject, yeah. and we'll probably return to it. Don't you guys feel like the other all right, so you're you're playing Mike's team. We we don't, but our teams yeah. are. When they pull Derrick Henry off the field on third down, I'm like, whoo. Yeah, same okay, here. Yeah. Same. Absolutely. Why do you favor. leave him there? Now, yeah. I know maybe the wear and tear. But right. sometimes, yeah. and look, this is probably a yeah. broader football discussion for coaches, but third and eight, third and seven, if I'm a defense, and as a play-by-play guy, I'm terrified when I see yeah. Derrick Henry. He's one of the most terrifying players as a play-by-play announcer. It's third down, and I want my team off the field. When when I see Derrick Henry, well, first and second in his case, sure. when I see Derrick Henry on the field, it's it's terror. It's like, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do to stop him? It used to be Peyton Manning with the Colts, uh, Steve McNair a little bit, right. with, with the Titans, of course. With Jacksonville, nobody. I'm just kidding. I'm oh, kidding, yeah. Frank. I'm First kidding. shot. Yeah. I First know. shot. Yeah. No, Fred Taylor. But was, I was, was trying to think of somebody I, when he was saying that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the, uh, no, no I, but as a play-by-play guy, I agree. Back to the stiff arms. I'm wondering which one of our guys is going to get stiff armed into the front row, and I'm like yeah. Mark. I love it when he's out of the game, you know. So I mean, but I, you got to on third and nine, you can't keep running. Well, and and let's face it, too. Part of the most fun, one of the most fun parts of our job is watching guys on our teams who are freaks. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That is so yeah. much fun. Yeah, yeah, that's right. To see somebody who is just and, and he's one of those. Yeah. I mean, he is. Crazy strong. No question. Uh, he's that guy. He's that guy. That's right. My question for you, Matt, and Matt told me a stat, and I knew it, but I didn't know it when Matt sat in with me the other day. It's been 15 and 16 since the Colts have had a quarterback play, starting same starting quarterback, back back years. That just astounded me. Not that I didn't know it, mm-hmm. because I've done the games all these years. It just, just didn't hit me. Yeah. So, so and, and I'm going to ask you a question about your boss. So how do you talk about your boss on, on air, I guess? But – how Thanks. Does, uh, you're, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> but how, how does the ownership, Jim Ursay, who I think's a good owner, but he's kind of out there, connect with, with your public, with your fan base? Um, the team was very good in the Peyton years and very good in the Luck years. How does he connect? I, I'm very curious about that. I mean, I think he's one of the best owners in the game. I mean, certainly he's a fascinating guy. He's got yeah. a ton of outside interests outside of football. I mean, right. he's got the collection, which I'm sure you guys have seen. He's, he collects... 
uh, sports memorabilia. I have. Okay. Yeah. I mean, and, and, and right now he's taken across the country. I don't, I don't know if you guys are privy to this, but he's got a he's got tour stops all over the country. He's been doing it since November. I think actually next weekend is going to be in Las Vegas where the collection's on display. Then he's got the band that he's in. And it's, it's a, right. I mean, you love music. We all love music. Mm-hmm. He's got Kenny Wayne Shepherd in the band. He's got uh, wow. the drummer that used to play all over the country with John Mellencamp. Um, he's playing with Joe Walsh. Right. He's played, you know, the guys that were in Fleetwood Mac. So um, he's a fascinating guy. I think he connects well with, you know, the city, um, you know, with, with the fan base. He more so than anybody is desperate for, this franchise to get back to where it was, you know, the the last time the Colts won the AFC South was 2014, right? Every, I like every to point team, that out. <laughs> every team has won it twice since then wow. in the division. Wow, so, that's hard to believe. Yeah. So, well, we could do a whole freaky stats kind of segment here, but so the Colts won it in 2014, right? The Texans since 2011 have won it six times. And since that time, and that's more than anybody, since that time, all three other teams have been to the AFC Championship game except the Texans, and they've won the division more than anybody else, which is a weird stat yeah, to it me. Is weird. My final thing before I pass it off, I'll tell you a story, an Ursa story. So I'm in, I graduated from Florida in 1980. And in 1979, I'm kind of home for the summer, working summer jobs, no money, and we're going out hanging out, and so... All of a sudden, the word gets around that you got to go down to the stadium, the Gator Bowl at the time, okay? Because something big's happening, like late summer. Okay, so we're going to go down there. So we didn't know what was, but, you know, our parents and our friends knew. So I'm a broke, broke-ass broke college student. But why not? <laughs> I, I'm getting a free hot dog and a Coke. I'm going to go sure. down. <laughs> we go to the Gator Bowl. 60,000 people, 60,000 show up at the Gator Bowl for a hot dog and a Coke to watch Robert Ursay fly in on a helicopter Ooh. because he's thinking about moving the Baltimore Colts to Jacksonville, and we that. wanted it so bad, the helicopter lands. Okay, I got my hot dog and a Coke, Okay, which is big news for me. There's 60,000 people. Just to say hello. He, wa- he gets out of the helicopter, walks around, party. waves yeah. to everybody, and gets back in it and leaves. It's, it's probably about 20 minutes, and I'm convinced – I'm convinced that's the first step in Jacksonville having an NFL team. I'm convinced that Robert Ursay getting out of that helicopter, waving to all of us with our hot dogs and our cokes, is why, is why not why, but it's the first step of why Jacksonville. That's Oilers, a great story. The yeah. Oilers flirted with Jacksonville also sure back in the day. And it's that was funny that we're all a division now, and both other franchises, Jacksonville gets a team, eventually Houston gets a team back. That's interesting. And the Oilers was in 87. By then I was a sports writer. And I covered the story. Mm. I actually went to Houston. Well, and there was also a strike. Yeah. So the, the mm. Oilers were talking about coming to Jacksonville. There was a strike going on. So, so Warren Moon and some of the players were practicing on their own at Love Park or some park in Houston. I went out there and did a story talking to them. Hey, how do you feel about Jacksonville? Yeah, hey, we love to come to Jacksonville. Yeah, we'll come. We'll. <laughs> and, I, so I remember, and then I covered a, 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 a replacement game. Right, and then came back. So I remember that story very well. I want to ask Mark Vandermeer of the Houston Texans this question. The Titans are unveiling Euler uniforms this year. Mm. Mm. If the Titans wear the Euler uniforms (laughs) against the Texans, will there be any sort of reaction from the Texans fans? There will be a reaction, all right. You think? Yeah, because 
All right, so the Columbia Blue, do you still call it Columbia Blue in we Nashville? We say Titan Blue. You say Titan Blue, so you change the name of the blue, but it's, you know, basically the blue that it's we're the all, blue. You know, we know what kind of blue North it is. North Carolina right? Blue. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's that Sky light blue. blue. Well, it's funny because the Texans have made it public that they're experimenting with uniform changes, possibly coming into play next year, and we'll see how it goes. It's a process, and they've had a lot of focus groups. And they've actually put out a lot of stuff that the fans have sent them. And some of the stuff involves this, we call it H-Town Blue, <laughs> all right? And it, I've it, learned our, more about colors today. Oh, our senior director of marketing put up all the blues on a board. That, you know, Detroit, you know, the Honolulu Blue, Honolulu Carolina, blue. Titans. And they're all kind of blue, but they're all different. In fact, if you put the Titan logo on the Detroit Blue, it looks like the Titans. It's hard for the eye to tell, but they're all a little tiny bit different, the PMS color or whatever they call it. Anyway... Texans have started to sell that H-Town Blue in gear, in merch, you know, T-shirts, long-sleeve T-shirts, jackets, along with the Battle Red and, and the Deep Steel Blue and the Liberty White. We have to. How many colors do you get to uh, have? We have three, Liberty White, Deep Steel Blue, Battle Red. And <laughs> this would have blown up my 64 Crayola crayon. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This. And now we've got that H-Town Blue. That thing had no blue. chance. And then there's Fonts. Because the H-Town Blue is really, it goes back even before the Oilers. There are things in Houston that have that blue on it, like architectural structures and things like that, and it's a Houston color. So the Rockets have used it as well. The Houston fans go nuts for this. When they see Oilers unis on the Titans, and I know they did it a few years back, maybe 10 years ago with the 1960. The original. Yeah, yeah. yeah the it's AFL the 50th year of the right. AFL, right. And those were like the original Oiler uniforms that look kind of like the Oiler uniforms that we grew to know, but not quite. This will be a real kick yeah, this in the is going to be the red. You think yeah. you think they will react negatively? They'll they'll be it'll be right. jealous. Right. It'll be <laughs> I you know yeah. they left us. What are they doing? Yeah. Yeah. It, you know the fan you know fans. All right, they react. Look, fans, you don't make it on third down. They go crazy. So and but it's good. You want them to be passionate. All we have is teal and black. I need fancy names. I I do not have fancy names <laughs> no, for my don't. colors. You don't have like Jaguar that's, teal. That's my goal. <laughs> Jaguar my goal teal. is something funky. J Town Jaguar. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I, that's yeah. what I've got to change. Duval I, teal. Yes, I've got it. I'm marketing Duval, for the Jaguars yeah, I mean, right now. I pass the stick oh. to Matt Taylor. All right. Question from Matt. Uh, can I go a different direction? Do you I do whatever have to you talk want. strictly football? No, do right, whatever this you is, want. This is a good roundtable yeah, discussion. Yeah. Okay, let's go inside the biz. Let's go okay. behind the oh, mic yeah, a little do bit. It. All right. You guys have been doing this a long time. You guys have been to basically every NFL stadium. Mm-hmm. Give me the best booth in the <laughs> NFL to call a game. Yeah. Give me the worst booth to call a game okay, and your favorite visiting stadium to call a game within the division all right uh yeah i'll go uh wait can, can we just say two things first to the listeners booth uh and stadium are often different things right yeah, yeah you correct. could have a great stadium but the booth could be terrible 100%. also even play-by-play announcers versus engineers right, right, right there are right. some booths that i've really liked like Oakland was yeah. terrific as far as the view. Once I'm sitting down, right. Oakland was great. Right. Yeah. Right. The engineers hate it. It's yeah, yeah. small. They got to out the hall. <laughs> right. yeah. 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 The equipment's out in the hall. I'm like, San Diego. I'm fine, yeah. San Diego I'm sitting Diego down back in the day. Yeah. yeah. San Diego, yeah. another one. Uh, so there's there are different categories here, but go on, Frank. I'm yeah. Sorry. Well, no. I mean, for the look of the game, I love love the Meadowlands, MetLife Stadium. You're right mm, there. Yeah. It's a perfect look. It's clean. It's easy. That's probably I like the Patriots. I like even though you're not near the other media. The Patriots is so wide. Yeah, you got that it's wide. So wide. You got I have so, friends over. I like width. <laughs> yeah, right. I, mean, I like width. I like yeah. to be able to spread out. And and the, and those are my two favorite worst booth in the history of organized sport is Washington. 
Yes. You, it, it's, they, they actually should shut down the franchise because of the broadcast. Wait, booth. wait, wait. Have it you is, been to Miami? Miami. Yeah, Miami's Thank the worst. You. Miami I, is think, awful. Is. Miami's worse than Washington. I, I the new I, Miami. No, Miami. You know why, you know why it's it. not? It's not worse. You're wrong, but I appreciate that. It's We're not because, wrong. Because Washington's <laughs> low. It's low but, and bad. But Washington so is Miami. Okay, I mean, let's. We'll all agree with that. But Miami. Glassed in, yeah. opposite side yes. of the field from yes. the TV yes. camera, yes. Yes. Too in small. the corner of the end <laughs> yeah. zone, too small. Yeah, it's it's crazy bad. My friends at the University of Tennessee got to play in the Orange Bowl yeah. this year, and they called me. They go, hey, can we get four across on the front? I'm like, you may not even be able to get two no. across. Yeah. No, somebody's got to stand. Well, here's what they did. They got the booth next to them. Uh-huh. Because the there was no national radio or something right, for that right, game, uh-huh. and so they put the color commentator in yes. another booth because they're yeah. tiny. Yeah, they're, and and you, they can't, you can't run the wires between the walls. And when, when they should be they should be out of the league, in my opinion, based on the booth. Yeah, <laughs> and you have to walk through that nightclub. Yeah. Oh, you guys have to do yeah. that. Jay Lowe's nightclub. Yeah. yeah, to get to the booth. Yeah, because we've eliminated some franchises, detached. you know, we already. Yes, yeah, so can okay. I tell a New England booth story yeah. real quick? So we're up there in two. 2003, and we're playing, and the head of the company, and it is a massive booth. You can get 20 people in there. Right. You, I mean, it's at least. the best booth. It, in terms of size, it yeah. is. So the head of the company says that his nephews are fans of Tom Brady. Can they come and stand oh. in our booth? Well, oh. they're our rights holders company, and it's the president of the company. And you got to do it. So we got to do it. So they've got press passes, and they're standing in the back of the booth, and they're very polite. They were very, very nice young men, and it all worked brilliantly until postgame. They had press credentials on, and so they went to the Patriots' locker room. Oh, no. And asked Tom Brady for autographs as he was coming out of the shower. Oh, no. Well, of course, <laughs> out of the shower. Of course, the bad of course, Here's the thing. We're on a plane going back to Nashville. Yep. Just lost a tough game. Mm-hmm. And we get this call. Larry Stone, who was running our network at this time, gets a call about who on your crew. So the Patriots complained to the NFL, mm-hmm. and our media relations guy, Robbie Boren, says, what is this? Because he knows all of us. He's, at that time, he's worked with all of us for six years. And, and he's like, who on your crew went down and got Tom Brady's autograph in postgame? We're like, we have no idea what you're talking about. And so finally, somebody with the Patriots came through. And this is before camera phones, so nobody yeah. really took a picture of them. Yeah. So they gave a description. It's like, oh, no. And so we explain the story, and it does not satisfy the Patriots. Of course. It doesn't satisfy the Why NFL. Why are you giving them credentials? It doesn't, yeah. it doesn't satisfy yeah. our people. It was a mm. dis- And this went on for, like, weeks oh, where we're having to answer for this. And finally, we said, call so-and-so. We're not taking a call about it anymore. They were going to fine us for it. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank goodness I'm here because, Frank, New England. <laughs> and, guys, I don't know how you guys feel about the Patriots booth, but it is good yeah. in that, all right, it's close, yeah. but it's too low. It's, a booth it's a can be too low. low because when, the play, when, when you first get there, you're like, this is going to be awesome. When the players are standing on the sideline, you – your view is actually obstructed yeah, by the fans. Uh, yeah, up the, until the, the numbers on that end. Right. So when somebody catches a pass on the near sideline, you're like, uh, Cincinnati's like, got a great. It's kind of like too. calling a yeah. three in basketball when they're in the corner and you can't see if their feet are behind the line. And you just got to right. wait for the official to put his right. hands up. Right. Yeah. I got to wait for the official to rule it a catch. 
in order to call it correctly in New England. Plus, you're right there with the fans. So it's like, Tommy Brady's the best quarterback ever. You guys suck. <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, so this back, is making it on the air. Right. Back in the day, Bill Polian used to, I mean, the, the relationship between Patriots, Patriots fans, and Bill Polian, you guys know what that Fabulous. was all about. Yeah, yes. it was really, really good. Yeah, really um, good. So Bill, because of how big the booth was, Bill would actually sit in the booth and watch the game. Uh, and because, and then I don't know when they did it, but they actually elevated the booth up a little yeah. bit because mm, the fans yeah. used to be literally right, right, right there under mm. you. Mm. Now they're maybe like five or six feet under you, but they would, they would throw stuff in the booth and yell things <laughs> obviously at Bill and all those epic playoff games. I do have to share this picture though. Okay. I'm sorry. It really works for, well on Fred, radio. I know. Yeah. If we can oh, zoom in we on can this. describe it. Um, That's Miami. No, this is, I'm sorry, Frank. This is 2019. Yeah, yeah. Week Jackson. 17 at Jacksonville. There's right. a torrential rainstorm. Right. right. And, and it's the, raining in the booth? It is raining <laughs> in the booth. Wow. So that wow. the third the game I ever leaking. did. In yeah. 99, the third game I ever did. Yeah. There was water blowing into the booth. We, I mean, it's one of those funny things that happens in Florida where you get a storm yeah. right over you. Yeah. So and and the water and it blows all my notes. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, I did the whole second half with Pat Ryan, and we had nothing because they had no game programs <laughs> left. <laughs> right. Fortunately, it was a division team, so you knew them yeah, pretty you well. Them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, we try and drench the visiting broadcast. <laughs> is that a goal? That's part is, of the goal. Yeah. yeah. This is. It's all psychological. Yeah, so about an you know, hour before the bus ride to the stadium and. 2019, I get a call from the PR guy who says, yeah, it's raining in your booth. I yeah. said, well, what, it's raining in our booth. What does that mean? So we we bring towels from, we steal towels from the hotel so to the wipe it all steel. out. So the cold steel, good. Yeah, yeah. That's good yeah. To know. yeah. So we, there, there's the rain bucket uh, catching bucket. water. Oh, and uh, so we're called, so this, this area here was not even used yeah. during the game. That's so we hilarious. call the game from like where the engineers sit right. up above. Um, so that's that's my horror story on Jacksonville. Well, you know, you know the best thing you know how to do a game is Nissan Stadium because it's low <laughs> right. and because you're not obstructed by the fans and because you're on that 25 to 35 area. Right. You can it, see the whole field. It's good. It's good. But <laughs> who's better? All right. Jacksonville's better. Jacksonville's no, Jacksonville's way yeah, back you're, from the you're field. You're really far away. But, you're but really you're far in away. the middle. It's a better view. Because, all right, Tennessee's our good. I'm not saying it's look. bad. I'm not yeah. saying it's bad. But the, You come into our booth and steal snacks every time you come over, <laughs> Vanderbeer. So how how are you talking us down? <laughs> I you I should asked. say something nice about us whether you want to no, or not. I do. I know it hurts you. I do um, I do think the booth is pretty good. But the, the problem is when they're off to the right end of the field, when they get inside the twenty, it gets a little like oh, I come no on. the yard line the pot when they pile on I'm like too are low they the seventeen or the yeah it's no, a little too low it's just too far age away thing so, uh, with him he's yeah. having he needs <laughs> new glasses come on I'll tell you well you guys said the best booth or what the biggest booth was the Patriots but. I like Dallas. Dallas is a wonderful. You're, you're a I don't like the view, yeah. but the booth itself the booth is, is great. Yeah, fantastic. And you got a bathroom. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Yeah. I think I got, yeah, it's yeah. the only booth with a bathroom. But you know, it's like in Los Angeles though, where you have to call part of the game off the jumbotron yes. because there are parts yeah. of the field you can't see. I don't have a problem in Dallas because the the height of it, like Pittsburgh, is long. I don't mind being in the corner if I'm high up. Yeah. If mm-hmm. I'm low, like Miami or Washington, that's a that's real a disaster. You know? Pittsburgh. I, I tell you a quick story. When I was doing college games, do you remember? And you probably don't remember this, but when LSU won the national title under Les Miles, okay, they beat Auburn in a game. Mike, you may remember this. At the end of the game, there's like nine seconds left. They should have kicked a 40 yard field goal to win, but instead, he ran a play and they hit a touchdown in the left corner. Do you remember this play? Yes, I do. They hit a touchdown left corner of the end zone. It was a dumb call, but with one second left, so they win the game. Well, I'm doing the game with Toretto, and I'm in the right corner. I'm in the high. I'm in the right corner. 
at Baton Rouge, I can't see it. The, right. We're Ooh. so far right, I can't see it. And it's, a big, it's the biggest game of the year in college football, and I'm doing radio, and, and, and they dropped the throw, fired left corner of the end zone. I, 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 right. I mean, I can't see anything. So I'm thinking, now i got a decision to make, okay? This is the biggest play <laughs> of the year in college football. And, 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 and so – and and I've, the only time I've ever done this in my life, in all the years you of guessed. play by play, I guess. What I, I saw the fans jump up, uh-huh. and I and I said, "Touchdown, LSU!" Having no idea <laughs> whether it was a touchdown, <laughs> LSU. Oh, yeah, but I saw the fans scary. jumping that's up like and down. Cardinal that's, sin number one. Yeah, yeah but, uh, but, oh, but that I, violates everything. Yeah. yeah, and I said, and you all, and yeah, you always wait for. But I just I did, and it was a touchdown. I thought to myself, I said. What would that have done to my career if right. it wasn't? You know, I mean, right. and the play that big. And you had to retract that. I'm surprised yeah. your first thought wasn't "Thank you, Jesus." Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> do you I use, how many? Do you guys use binoculars to call the game? Yes. I don't. I, I do guess. not. You do? Yes. Like every yeah. play? Oh, every yeah. play? Every play? Every play in Texans history has been done with binoculars. Yes. Yeah. I mean, every single one. No, I, I will not Is do it, a play without it. For me, so, it's identifying the running back first and I, foremost. I got to yeah. get in there. I got to like. I'm used to calling basketball, which I, yeah. I I always thought was my best sport. I think I'm finally, and I'm not joking here. I'm finally getting to a level of football where I feel like it equals what I did in basketball because I did hundreds of basketball games in the 90s mm-hmm. and and felt really good about my basketball right. call after a while. I put a lot into it. And when I got to the NFL, and I was doing football, obviously, at a high level in college at Miami and everything, but it, I, the reps, you don't get as many, right, you know, right, because it's right. once a week and everything. Games. And, you know, it's not the same when you're calling it off TV or even at practice sort of under your breath. And I feel like I finally get there, but I got to get in there. I want to see it tight. And, yeah, you can recognize body types and everything, but especially for defense, you know, tackles are sometimes a rumor. You know, we always have debates on how to properly call a tackle because sometimes, like, big pile, like, you know, Johnny will give me something in cue, and that'll be one of the guys, you know, and who knows who they're going to give it to. And you see it differently. Yeah, I might see it differently, but, you know, I'll be, like, among the tacklers, you know, I'll kind of, like, name a couple of guys because – you know, if somebody made the effort to get over there and somebody got them right. low and somebody got them high, you want to mention both guys. And right. you never quite know because you don't know who got there. Fr- like separating yeah. combined sacks. Right, exactly. Because the only way you can tell in many of those cases who got there first is to watch a yeah. slow-mo replay, yeah. and we don't, we don't have time right, so for that. Story, quick story about that because I'll take the baton now. No, yeah, quick you story. Take, no, take it. It's your well, time. Quick story about that. First game in Texans history playing the Cowboys, Sunday Night Football. I mean, it's monumental, right? Yeah. You're back in Houston, five years, no football. Texans, Cowboys, couldn't be bigger. They've got the lead. Quincy Carter in the end zone, sack, and Gary Walker gets up. He and Seth Payne get there at the same time. It's bang, bang. Gary Walker gets up and flexes, and I'm like, Gary Walker with the sack. They gave it to Seth Payne. Yeah. And Seth's still on the air every yeah, morning is, in yeah. Houston, and I'm like, sorry, Seth. You know, I have to apologize every time I see him. I've actually played the highlight, and I edit out the name. <laughs> sack! Well good. done. We're, yeah. we're well good done. with yeah. that. My, my motto in journalism is, when in doubt, be vague. Right. You can't be wrong <laughs> yes. when you're vague. Right. Right. It's, right. So uh, what I want to know from each of you is, is favorite game. Now, it doesn't have to be like the year we went to, yeah, we won the AC yeah. Championship game, Mike. Not that, because I've got a favorite, and I'll tell you what it is in a few moments. But favorite game you've done where it was just so satisfying, but it's kind of under the radar. Like a lot of fans might not really acknowledge it as such, but to you, it meant so much being part of the organization and everything right. we do. Okay, I'll give it to you quick 2019 playoffs going to New England mm-hmm. and ending the Tom Brady, Bill Belichick thing yeah. by beating them there, especially because we had never won there and almost 
10 year well it was 10 years earlier they had beaten us there 59 to nothing oh yeah in a situation where it dropped us to 0 and 6 going into the bye and it was it left us not only was it a horrible day but it snowed that day in October and we didn't have coats or anything cuz oh. it was supposed to be 60 yeah. it was bizarre and to win that game and you were talking earlier about Tommy Brady and all yeah, that yeah. to see those folks leaving Oh. And to know that they knew that's it was dream. over, yeah. I wept. That's satisfying. Uh, that, that's, that's satisfying. I, I would have too, Mike. That is my dream, to win in Foxborough against Brady, and it won't happen because he's done, I think. And that that had to be satisfying because we've all been to New England, and they play that, Josie's on a vacation far away. <laughs> song. Outfield. And I yeah. just want to, like, it, week three of 2017, <laughs> we have the lead, final minute, and I'm like, even if they drive down the field and score here, they're not going to play that song because, you know, they're not going <laughs> to do it. You avoided the song. No, but no. they score. Brady to Brandon Cooks there with like is. 35 seconds left. And they got the song <laughs> in. And Solak's out there, and I just want to strangle uh, him. Well, they anyway, didn't get to yeah. play it that night. Yeah, yeah, my, yeah uh, Frank. Mine's not under the radar. I'd love to give you one. It's not. It was this year because yeah. Charger tra- game, right? trailed the Chargers 27 nothing. Mm. 27 not This franchise that hasn't done anything – we had one winning season in the last 14 years. We finally win the division. Uh, in large part because the division struggled, but we win, win sure. all these games. And finally, in, it's at night. It's on national TV. Everybody's paying attention. And you get down 27 nothing. And I'm thinking, well, that's kind of a shame. Your yeah. last call yeah. was yeah. fantastic, and, by and, the way. And we lost. Thank you for that. And I appreciate that, Mike. But it's 27 nothing, And all of a sudden, you're watching it. And Baselli, Baselli goes, you know... If you can score here at the end of the half, make it 27-7, you got a chance. Okay. Logman and I are like <laughs> Logman and I are like, Taylor, that's just you something you said. Thank you very much. And, okay. and Logman and I are like, book. like look just looking at him. Just yeah, looking at yeah. him like, really dude? Yeah. Well, score at the end of the half. And when they came when when he lines up for the field goal, I remember thinking, Mike, I'm thinking, God, it'd be a shame if he misses this. After all this, yeah. this yeah. that's that, yeah. God ought to make him make this. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, just all you know, because all this stuff and I'm watching it. And I and I don't when that kick went through and they had won the game and we lost our mind in the call, I think it's the most exhilarated I've ever felt in my career, as far wow. as just exhilarated. Yeah, that's awesome. It, it was the most exhilarated Good I ever you. felt. That's it, awesome. That was a and I and yeah. I, I get chills telling you guys the story about mm. it, beating the Chargers thirty-one uh, thirty mm. on the last play of the game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, favorite moment so far? What had to have been? I mean, uh, there's a Patriots theme here, but yeah. uh, the Colts prior to last year, two thousand twenty-one had not beaten the Patriots since 2009. And there had been a lot of um, AFC playoff games in that mix. You know, the, the uh, deflate game was in there, Tom Brady, you know, the history of Bill Belichick, so so on and so forth. But it's a, it's a flex game late in the year, like week 16, week 17, right before Christmas, got flexed to Saturday night. So it's a standalone game, primetime game at Lucas Oil Stadium. Uh, Colts get off to a good start. They're up by 10. Then it gets down to three points late in the game, and you're thinking, okay, you know, Carson Wentz is thrown for like 50 yards in the game. It's like we know they're going to give the ball to Jonathan Taylor. Can they get enough first downs? Can they eke out the clock and win this game and hold on? They get the ball like at the 40-yard line. Colts in their own territory. Hand it off to Jonathan Taylor. Boom, gone. 65 yards uh, for a touchdown. The place is going berserk. It was huge for the Colts. Uh, playoff chances for the moment. Obviously, it came, you know, it crashed and burned week right. 17 and 18. But to that point, everybody thought, okay, getting off to a slow start record-wise, really kind of 
you know, find some momentum, string together some wins, beat the Patriots. The place was going nuts. You know, my call was just like electric. I'm standing up and making sure I don't mess it up. Right. You know, Jonathan Taylor's like looking back at the guy in real time. You know, do I score? Do I go out of bounds? You know, do I just go down? He's that fast and that good and processing all that information in real time. And so trying to incorporate that into the call was challenging, but, you know, the, the place was nuts. And uh, that, that was probably my favorite game uh, or favorite call so far. My favorite game, though, was the playoffs. Uh, playoff game uh, in 2018. And, and it's, it has nothing to do with the Texans. You know, that was the year I was the interim guy. Uh, oh, in, eight, yeah. in 18, I was the interim guy. So I'm basically doing two jobs at once and just going through a lot of uh, uh, personal anxiety. But that game was a Saturday. I think yep. it was a Saturday night game. Friday before we take off, I get pulled into an office and they say, you know, we're ripping the tag off you. You're the guy. Wow. Nice. Nice. So getting a call of my first playoff game with oh, like wow. the pressure off, the anxiety off, kind of having like that free mentality to just yeah. sort of be myself, not worrying if I'm doing the job good enough for someone else, right? So that one was just like mentally freeing and just exciting to be a part of. Well, and that's a good lead into my favorite game because uh, it tells the story or part of the story about the Colts' domination over the Texans, right? And there's no other team that has been able to do this to the Texans. Even though the Texans are an expansion team, you would expect some struggles and everything. Uh, Tennessee's got a winning record against the Texans. Barely. But, but yeah. look, even the last two years, we've beaten the Titans twice in Nashville right. each of the last two years. That's pretty cool. Uh, Jacksonville obviously had some success against Jacksonville. But the Colts are the all-time nemesis. And it goes back to the RCA Dome, which no longer exists, which, don't at me. We're in the that, RCA Dome right now, by the way. Oh, this is yeah, where it was. Yeah. This was the loudest building in the NFL. I uh, Look, I've been to them all like you guys have, and I, I don't know how you feel, Mike, but that place was unbelievably loud. Small. Dwight Freeney and Robert Mathis coming off the edge, Manning just inflicting terror on everybody. It was – and look, the Texans were never able to win here until – 2015 and in that season Houston was two and five had two massive blowout losses going nowhere everybody's going to get fired it's awful and beat the Titans to go to three and five and then Monday Night Football at Cincinnati they're undefeated and somehow Houston wins and it's 10 to six that's the score of the game TJ Yates comes off the bench he had beaten the Bengals in 2011 on the road and in the playoffs I mean it was like the stuff of legend and I had a nice call he threw the ball to Hopkins anyway later on that season because it's quarterback carousel we're down to our fifth guy uh it's really Yates is the fourth guy he gets hurt at Indy and then Brandon Whedon has to come in a few weeks earlier he's playing for the Cowboys he comes in throws a touchdown pass to Jalen Strong they win 16 to 10 that was my favorite win, other than like you know winning playoff sure. games and things. Right. But that is the, the most satisfying. Owen thirteen in Indy. Owen yeah. thirteen. I walked out of the booth. I was like, "This is amazing, <laughs> amazing to beat the Colts." And the Texans won the division that year after starting two and five. So that's mine. This is good. We got to do this every year. Yeah, yeah we, we will. do. Because we, we could go four or five hours. <laughs> we yeah. really could. Yeah. <laughs> all right, there's our podcast, Voices of the AFC South. Check out all the other podcasts wherever you got this one. Have a great day and go Texans.